Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the North Texas sports podcast, 24-7 sports, I should say. Um, Colin, it's a sad day here for North Texas fans in Denton, Texas. Feeling good. Oh, you're feeling good? No. Oh, oh I was going to say. It's a, what a game we saw yesterday. I mean, it was the first close game of the year. For those of y'all who don't know or don't want to remember... North Texas lost to Louisiana Tech last night, 29-27. to It was the first loss of the year for the Mean Green. A weird loss. It was definitely a... It was an interesting loss. Yeah. There's... There's... This game... This game can be picked apart in multiple ways. And we want to make sure this podcast isn't go for three hours, because I feel like we could talk about this game for three hours. For three hours, yeah. But we're not going to subject you to that, so... We'll keep it at about an hour 15 or so. Hopefully. Yeah, I can't make any promises, really. Um, well, <laughs> let's talk about the overall... The overall... <laughs> I mean, the game before the game started, we went to the Mean Joe Green statue unveiling. Man, we, he spoke for a long time. Yeah, my boy Joe really... My man Joe, need, like he was reminiscing in the moment because that man was 45 he, minutes. He was talking for a long time. He wasn't talking for 45 minutes. He was talking for like 20 minutes. They didn't unveil the statue for until... 45 minutes after they were supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Yes, 445. Uh, statue's beautiful. It is. Statue's hey, we met, the, we met the guy who made it. We, we did. We he was cool. We met him. Um, did you look up that guy that he told you to look up? I did. I did last night when I was bored and writing Who everything. Was he? He's a writer in like the 60s and stuff. Uh, he called out Muhammad Ali and stuff like that. Anyways, that's besides the point. I'm just curious. Louisiana sorry. Tech came into Apogee Stadium yesterday in front of 30,000 people, the largest crowd in North Texas history, 30,105 to be specific. And they fought back from being down 21 to 6. To beat North Texas and shut down the offense and score pretty effectively throughout the game. I mean, just scary your overall thoughts on the game. Well, when they went out to twenty-one to six, I was like, "Well, this is going to be another one of those. We're going to come here today and just be like celebrate." That's not even it's just like I don't know what what else like it's what true. else do you say? It's true. And then they were leading at half. At the yeah. end of the half, it was yeah. like, okay, um, we got a game. Yeah, Louisiana yeah. Tech outscored North Texas twenty to six, twenty to zero in the second quarter, I believe. And like you said at the beginning, it was just ho hum. It's exactly what we've ex- come to expect from North Texas. Yeah. three touchdowns out of the first four drives, I believe. I mean, Michael Lawrence down the seam. I mean, Lauren Easley was running the ball really well. Yep, I mean, he did run the ball throughout the whole night. He ran the ball well. He averaged five yards a carry. Uh, but Mason just looked unstoppable and then they kind of Latrell said after the game that they started getting behind the change low chains a little bit more and that kind of allowed the pass rushes to get going and everything so I mean it kind of just changed it was like a subtle change but it was a change where you're like why did everything just stop right you know so instead of it being third and five third and six it got to like third and nine and it was like whoa why are they having to punt so often and mm-hmm. louisiana tech started getting decent field position and getting into the red zone and they also held the ball for a lot in the second half especially yeah yeah, yeah. they opened up the even the, the second quarter they did yeah and they opened up the third quarter with like a seven minute See, possession time possession or the time possession was they only had 31 minutes here but that's because the first quarter was pretty yeah the first quarter uh, was mostly north texas but 
in the third quarter, it was like seven-minute possession, and then North Texas went out. And I don't believe – I think they, it was like a three-and-out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, again, it was another long possession, and yeah. it didn't feel like North Texas really got anything going until the start of the fourth quarter. The, the drive that stuck with me was at the start of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisiana Tech had an 18-play, 79-yard drive that took – With the three penalties. That Yeah, with the penalties. With yeah. the EJG penalty on the – the uh, roughing, or no, it wasn't a personal foul. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Unsportsmanlike conduct. That was on third down. That Two was pass interference. And then I thought it was only one pass interference. Was the other one on a different I just remember the one in the drive. end zone. Okay. I don't remember another one. But anyways, yeah, yeah. For that took six minutes and 58 seconds. That yeah. was, uh, Seth kind of talked about that after the game as like, it sucked being on the sideline for that long when they were trying to continue the momentum they had as an offense or trying to get that first first down, like he always says. But mm-hmm. they just couldn't get back on the field and they couldn't establish momentum. And by the time they did, it felt like Louisiana Tech was, even though it was, I think it was 29 to, 20, 21 to 9 at that point. Yeah, 21 to 9 at that point. It was still like, yeah, there was you that knew like, that they were there. Yeah. So it, it kind of made them uncomfortable. And so Louisiana Tech settled in and. I mean, props to them. They their defense is incredible. I mean, that's the main thing that stuck out to me is yeah, the corners and then that end. Yeah, uh, Jalen yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, he's a, he can ball. So, I wasn't like we said coming into the game. We expected Louisiana Tech to be a really really good test for this team. I said it was the most important game on their schedule. I yeah. said they were might be as good as FAU. And well, um, maybe better now. Well, now we know. Now <laughs> yeah. we know looking back that they might be the best team in conference USA. But. We just assumed that North Texas offense was still going to be able to overwhelm them, and they did in the first quarter. But you know, they didn't for the the other three quarters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they scored six points in the last three quarters, which is really weird. It was their first time not scoring in a quarter all season. Was the second quarter when they scored zero points? That was yeah. the first time all season they didn't score in a quarter. So there's just there was a lot, um, a lot to digest in this game. For sure. Yeah. You would think that. Arkansas's defense is way better, more talented, but yeah, just ath- athletic, more athletic. But I mean, you had you had cornerback Mick Robertson who could play. You had a Legarius Sneed who was also a corner who could play. Uh, Jalen Ferguson on on the defensive line had four sacks and he just dictated the game. So. Yeah, I mean Mason Mason it felt like every single passing play he had roll out of the pocket and then he just had to try to make something out of nothing. I mean, Jalen Guyton got shut down. He did. By uh, Amik, Amik, yeah, Amik Robinson, and Robertson, yeah. um, it was just, I mean, La Tech has a really good defense, and you kind of saw this going into the game with LSU. I mean, they kept they, they kept the LSU game close. Yeah, they had and, twenty-four points through three quarters. Yeah, so uh, it's not like at La Tech is just some five and six Conference USA team or something like that. I mean, this is like this is a legitimate team. It's not, yeah, you know, it's not going to be like a Southern Miss or something that North Texas will face later this season. But yeah, well, let's get into the specifics let's get into the, our game analysis now okay uh let's go position by position like we always do every after every game we do this we try to get as deep as possible and everything we saw from each position and all the stats we have so let's start with none other than mason fine himself man it was it was weird because it felt like a rough night when you watched the game it, it did felt, it felt yeah. like a rough night for mason fine but then you look at his numbers 22 or 35, I mean, that's probably, off the top of my head, that's probably 70% completion. And then 296 yards and three touchdowns. But then you look, he had five sacks. No interceptions, but five sacks. Yeah. So, I mean. Should have been an interception at the end. 
Oh, uh, yeah, it was a tough play. I'm not going to say it was an easy play, but it was, no, it was, I mean, it was saying, a pickable yeah. wall. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you see from Mason? What did you like and what did you do? Like you said, like? I mean, Mason felt like I mean he was ha- having a good game, and I think it's just because we're so used to seeing him just dictate literally, I mean, just do whatever he wants. Yeah. And, you know, we saw that against Arkansas. We saw that against SMU. every team. Yeah. Really. And um, you kind of saw him have a little bit of trouble against Liberty. And it was just, he just got right back into it. But this game, La Tech is obviously not Liberty. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be a more talented team. Um, but Mason kind of did with what he uh, did what he could with what he had. I mean, like, like we said earlier, Jalen got shut down. Rico really wasn't able to get anything over the top. And then Michael Lawrence, I think only one catch, yeah, if I'm not did. mistaken. The touchdown, yeah. catch, the touchdown yeah. catch. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of Mason himself, I don't think. I mean, I think he did what he could. He did. He did everything he could do, and he strained his hamstring or whatever. I'm not, we don't have like an official yeah, thing on that, mm-hmm. but he was grabbing at it, and they he kept him out there. He was unable to really move, and he still drove him up the field. So he yeah, did, Mason did whatever he did whatever he could do. I agree. So the thing we have to keep in mind with these 22 completions that includes the screen passes that mm-hmm. went for long gains i mean deandre Torrey had a 29 yard screen yeah. catch and run uh-huh. nick um deandre uh nick smith had a 20 yard catch and run mm-hmm. that little shuffle pass to uh rico bussy coming around the edge that scored that last touchdown yeah was a pass yep for eight yards i believe i mean just a, a lot of stuff that was short went for good yards for mason so that has to be factored into his stats as well. Even Absolutely. though I think he did do well passing down the field, he found Rico what nine times, yeah, nine times for 112 yards. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was in control for the game when he had time. Right. But he didn't. I mean, as we as we mentioned, he just didn't have time for a lot of the game, and that's what led to him getting hit a lot. That's what led to him getting frustrated at times when he threw his knee brace off off the field i don't know if you saw it yeah uh, he, he got he got tackled yeah. he ran uh it was i guess it, it was a it read was, option it was before the yeah I, it was before the rico play i don't remember exactly yeah yeah was, and he he, so, he got tackled and then he just ripped off his brace and yeah then, and threw it to the sideline uh i'd never seen that before from mason and so i knew that they were getting antsy a little bit mm-hmm. but like i said i think mason did a good job when he had time and i think that latrell and graham harrell did a good job of putting him in position to be successful for the most part. I agree. Uh, especially with uh, in the first three quarters with the, the short passes they were doing and the screens and whatnot they were doing. But there were some questionable play, questionable throw plays and throws, like you said, the, the fade and the uh, Tariko Bussy. Yeah, the I mean, they, last, ran, that, they ran that play, play like the, three, I mean, yeah. it was like three times in five plays yes, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, on the second, on the last drive of the game, it yeah. was kind of weird. Uh, so I'm not going to say it was a perfect offensive game plan by Harold or anything like that but I feel like they did a good job as an offense to give Mason the tools that he needed to be successful they just couldn't block yeah I agree Ferguson. and regarding that last drive I thought it was really odd it was almost like they didn't trust Headland mm-hmm. to kick a short field goal because I mean it was first down fade and then second and second down it was a run and then third down it was a fade and then they got a they got a first down on the next play and then it was another fade all to Rico. I mean, they threw to Rico three times in that last drive. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I didn't understand why they didn't just... You, so you're saying they were trying to get I, way closer. Like, they weren't I, just trying I, to get... Right. right. They I were feel trying like to they get were going for the score. I mean, uh-huh. all, all of all of those passes were into the end zone. They were close to the end zone. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't... Like, even watching it, because I was at, that was at the end of the end zone, it was like, 
I feel like they didn't want Headland to try to kick that field goal in that situation because he did miss that 41-yarder. And I'm not sure if that would have been the way to go because, yeah. you know, then you then you end up – they stayed where they were anyways because they, yeah. they threw deep those three times and had to try to attempt that 48. Yeah. They, so. And they only had one timeout left before uh, – on that after uh, – like once they passed the half the midfield line, they had like one timeout left. I yeah. Uh, so they used their pretty early in the series, uh, their timeouts. So Mason ended up with a good with a good game. Let's go to the receivers now, the guys he was throwing to. Rico Bussey, like I said, nine yeah. catches, 112 yards, Rico two touchdowns. Rico did what he needed to do. I think he did very, very good against uh, Sneed, the cornerback, who I think was still all over for a lot of the game, but they kind of forced it to Rico. Yeah, which and Rico, Rico, so. Rico was able to make some plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few a few uh, curl routes and everything to get, uh, and then a few run uh, yards after catch, which yeah. was nice, so... Jalen Guyton had five catches for 51 yards. That was a little bit more different story. Yeah. Um, he, I don't, because when you think about his performance, you definitely don't think that he had five catches, but five catches on an offense where Michael Lawrence doesn't catch the ball and Jalen Darden, I don't even know if he had a reception. He uh, no, he didn't. Score. He didn't. Well, eh, he might have had one. I don't remember exactly. I don't remember him. I don't remember him one either. Yeah. So I mean, when you don't have those two guys catching passes, and Kelvin Smith, I don't even think caught a pass. I don't remember it. No, and I don't remember so one either. That was really the only two guys. It's either those two or it's a screen, pretty much. Yeah. And so when you're limited to that, you're kind of gonna come up with five catches, in my opinion. Um, but do you think that the receivers kind of made the best out of their situation going against these cornerbacks? Uh, I don't. I think Rico mm-hmm. did did what he needed to do. I don't think Jalen. Jalen, um, I guess both Jalen's and uh, yes. Michael really did anything to help Mason out. Um, there was only one play where I really saw Jalen get some separation on like over the top, and that was a uh, near the end of the game. Uh, I'm trying to think oh, of the was drive. It a, was it the comeback route? That it was wasn't the comeback down, route. It was because uh, they they converted. He, a third he beat him like, on the inside. They converted. Oh, I don't remember that one. But yeah. they converted a third and like 16 or something on. Guy ran. Yeah, yeah, I know what play you're talking about. Mason hit him, but it was that one time, and I was like, okay, Guyton is still obviously. I mean, he beat him off the line, so that was good. But I mean, other than that, like you said, Mason pretty much forced everything. There was a play, the uh, Rico Bussy touchdown in the end of the last touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he was looking right for Jalen and just forced it to Rico in the middle. Yeah, Rico broke a couple. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it wasn't a good day for the receivers, really. Um, LaTeX kind of shut him down. Obviously, Mason didn't have a lot of time. He rolled out every single time, and that obviously is going to mess up your reads. So it's kind of hard to say whether it was LaTeX or the receivers kind of, yeah, you know, being at fault. But I think it's a little bit of both. I agree. So yeah, I think you covered that everything pretty well. Um, On to the running backs now. Really, man, that's the main running back, Lauren Easley. Had 22 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown, five yards a carry. He left the game midway through the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was. We have not got an update on that. But when he was in the game, he was explosive as usual. He was running hard as usual. He was energetic as usual. I mean, he was breaking tackles multiple times, and I feel like he was... um, he kept them in the game for a lot of it. I feel yeah. like. I feel like. No, he made plays. Y- you could argue. I. I don't think I would argue, but you could argue that they didn't run the ball enough times. Whether it was him or DeAndre yeah. Torrey or Nick Smith, I mean, to only run the ball twenty-seven times, it's it's not a not a huge not a huge number, especially when Mason Fine um, doesn't have time like that against these pass yeah. rushers. I don't. I don't really know if that's 
an easily arguable argument. Uh, if that makes any sense. Easily uh, argu- yeah, sorry. Uh, but, I mean, you had a lot of breakaway runs, and you're not going to get those every single time. That's true. So, I mean, yeah, it's good. I mean, the stats look good and everything, and they ran well. I'm just saying I don't know if you need to rely. I mean, because you didn't have time to kill. That's true. You had, you had, you had to throw, so... Um, I mean, they ran well. I'm not saying they didn't run well. I'm just yeah. saying I don't think you need to rely on that. Yeah, and I think the running backs, like I said, a lot of their, a lot of their job was to catch passes out of the backfield. Yeah, I don't think I don't remember if we saw Lauren Easley catch pass out of the backfield. We might have saw one, but um, definitely when DeAndre Torrey and Nick Smith were in the game, they were in there to yeah to catch the ball. Yeah, to catch the ball. Primarily, and DeAndre Toy did a terrific job making people miss. Uh, oh yeah, the game. I the, think there was that one. He's play, a very quick guy. Yeah, where he like made two people miss on a juke, and it was yeah. the very whole crowd was crazy. I mean, he him on kick returning as well. Yeah, he was minus very the muff punt. Yeah, my yeah. I mean, kick returning, not punt returning. Oh sorry. Oh no, he didn't. He didn't muff the punt. Jalen Darden muffed the punt. Oh okay, okay, okay. Uh, DeAndre Toy fumbled it. Did I guess drop the kickoff, but then he just picked it up and got back to the twenty. But he did. Um, DeAndre Torrey, I think, as a kick returner, is very, very impressive to me. Through yeah, the, I agree. Through, the five, through five games this year. They also had that play where, uh, who was it? Uh, someone, oh, I'm not going to remember who it was. It wasn't Keegan Brewer. I don't remember. Somebody caught the ball and then ran forward on the kickoff and then threw Keegan it over. Keegan Brewer. It was Keegan. And yeah. then he threw it over to DeAndre and he yeah. picked, got up to like the 40 almost. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, that was a big play too. So, I mean, the offense is staying creative. And that's yeah. what I like. I mean, yeah, they, I agree. The coaches are staying creative, and I think that that's going to help them in the long run. Even if they're now 0 for 3 on two point conversions, and we all three of them have been trick plays. Yeah, but kind of makes you wonder that, if just drop back Mason Fine and let guys try to get open for a little bit. That last one, though, I mean, that was kind of iffy. That last, the yeah, but he didn't get in. I mean, there wasn't a touchdown. That's, I mean, that's that's true. That's fair, but it I mean, it was kind of like a toss up. Yeah, it was, yeah. but. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, you're 0 for 3 on two-point conversions right now, and you have to... You, games like this is what we're talking about. You have to... Yeah. Every point matters. You have to have a two-point conversion in play that's going to work sometimes. One out of every three times, at least. I mean, you have to have some plays that are going to score for you. To go 0 for 3 on... To be 0 for 3 on two-point conversions is kind of... Kind of really eye-opening. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about it, the team when they're, I mean, you, you could you'd call that like a red zone situation. Yeah. And the team doesn't normally pass in those types of situations when they're yeah, that close. True. It's normally a run, and you can't. And if you're only able to have that one play, you can't even attempt the run. I mean, it's kind of now that you think about. it, I mean, they don't really pass whenever they're within five yards of Nine, the red zone. The fade. Yeah, and I mean that's only come off I think like one time yeah. this season. So. But I mean I don't know if I'd rather I might have rather have a fade than whatever they've done on the first. That, that's fair. Then, I mean, the Philly, really, then the Philly special. They ran that twice. Yeah, they ran it <laughs> twice, and they didn't do anything on either one. Oh, last night. So, that I understand being creative, but I mean at some point I might even like just Mason find that sweet play they they run with Mason find just get in just. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I mean, to keep an eye on that going forward, I think that's a huge thing is the two-point conversion. So. Um, what do you think is going to happen now that Lauren Easley doesn't look like he uh, – he's, he's not going to play next game. I don't think he'll play next game. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't put any weight on that knee. Yeah, I don't think – he's not playing in UTEP, that's for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, what do you think about this running game run, moving forward? I think it's going to be fine because I, I don't think Nick Smith is a big drop-off from Lauren Easley. I think that we saw that in the last drive when Nick Smith broke a 
oh, I don't even remember how long it was. I think it was might have been 30 yards. 30-something yards. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 30 yards. And while he's not the power back that easily is, while he can't shed tackles the way easily can, and I don't trust him as much as a ball carrier as easily, I think Nick Smith will be fine. Nick Smith has the carries. He has the reps. Yeah. And he has the experience. And he also he can catch passes out of the backfield. So... I, he maybe he adds a little bit more to the offense, even if his run game. We've said it before, Lauren Easley is the best pure runner on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. Nick Smith can bring other things as well that we we um, we think will help the offense. The anything else on the North Texas offense? You think we should cover? We get everything? Yeah, I think so. They went six fifteen on third downs. Not great. They had some penalties. As a team, they had four penalties for fifty five yards. Um, but. I feel like the offense was overall not bad. I, I agree. I, you you can't rely on an offense to score forty nine points a game. It's true. I mean, it's true. Uh, the offense. I mean, but the you, offense made mistakes, but they they they, they scored, scored enough. They scored enough points to win the game. They should have scored more than six points in the last three quarters. Though. I agree. I agree. You, I mean, whether one of the field goal goes right, if a field goal goes in. By another foot to the right, I mean we're talking completely different about yeah, this they game. Yeah, they could be it's they thirty, could be, to, 30 yeah. to twenty-nine, and yeah. So I mean, I think the offense did put them in position to score some points. They just didn't convert on them. Whether that is, uh, there was a penalty that knocked them out of field goal range. Also, I remember, and then there were two missed field goals. So yeah. that's three times. Yeah. On to the defense. Um, it wasn't a huge game for any defensive player. EJG had nine tackles, one tackle for loss. Brandon Gardner had seven tackles. Cam Johnson had six tackles. I think that's where we need to start is with the defensive backs. Yep. Because I think Nate Brooks did a good job against Adrian Hartley. Adrian Hartley entered the game as the big player receiver for Louisiana yep. Tech. He had two touchdowns against LSU. Nate Brooks was going to be on him. He's a bigger guy. And I think Nate Brooks did a good job. Uh, Adrian Hartley's longest reception was 16 yards. Yeah. And he ended up with seven catches, 75 yards, and one touchdown. So... How do you think Nate Brooks did? I think Nate Brooks played fantastic. I mean, he was probably the best defense player that or last probably. night. Um, probably. I mean, Kyrie Muhammad was pretty good too. But yeah, I mean, but uh, Nate Brooks he broke up I think three passes. He had one of them where it, he knocked the ball out of his hands. Another one, the 16 yard, it was through uh, was a slant in the middle, mm-hmm. and he broke that or he didn't break it up, but he just picked him up and threw him to the ground. I yeah. think you remember that play. Yeah. And. Nate Brooks has been way better than last season. He's yeah. he's giving he's he it's he's keeping everything in front of him and he's continuing to do that. He did it against Arkansas. We talked about it. He's doing it. He did it last night. He's continuing to do it. So, I think I think uh, Nate is going to be great the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have an injury to Kemon Hall, which yes. is interesting. Yes, Kemon Hall injured his shoulder in the second quarter, and I believe it was the second quarter. Yeah, forgive me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, and. Cam Johnson, the sophomore, came in to replace him. Cam Johnson has been hyped by his teammates a lot. And while I still think he has the potential, he just didn't look 100% ready, to, especially not to go against Adrian Hardy. Um, or especially, I'm sorry, not to go against any other receivers they had, whether it was Bonnet or Vail. Or, yeah, Bonnet had five catches for 101 yards. Yeah. And I think one of them, I think he was one of it was definitely Cam Johnson who got caught over on that flip catch. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. I'm assuming it was Bonnet, but I don't I don't remember exactly. But I mean just plays like that, I feel like Cam Johnson's not physically imposing enough like 
Kimon Hall and Nate Brooks because those are both seniors mm-hmm. and those guys can both play at a high level for long stretches of times. So in the second half, they started Jordan Roberts at corner um, on the other side of Nate Brooks, and I think Jordan Roberts did a much better job. And I feel like he was able to physically, I think he was able to break up a lot more passes and make his presence felt in a better way than Cam Johnson was. So that's something to keep your eye on. Is Tyreek Davis number five, by the yes. way? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, who's 25? Oh, man, I do not I'm know. sorry for putting you in the spot, but they, they moved him to the corner after Cam Johnson gave up a big play, mm-hmm. and they moved him to corner. They kind of switched 25 it. Jordan Roberts? Damn, I sound like Canadian. I don't remember. Jordan Roberts? No, Jordan Roberts was 36. 25 was the person we thought was going to be a safety. Taylor Robinson. No. Uh, Is that Mikhail? No, it's not Mikhail. I, I don't remember. But, anyways, but yeah, ahead, so they moved him at corner. They, I mean, they were switching safeties and corners. Yeah. After trying to just try to make something work because, I mean, Kimon even tried coming back out and yeah, just he, couldn't he do it. Yeah, he couldn't do it. And uh, I don't know. Uh, the secondary is not as deep, I don't think, as we thought it was before coming to this game. The uh, cornerbacks aren't as deep. Corner, yes. I, what I, yeah. I feel like Mikhail Sanders' backup safety did pretty good with uh, Taylor Robinson out. First stretch, first stretch. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah. but I mean, when you when the drop from Kimon to Cam, I think it's just not having the experience that Kimon does. Yeah. Um, I think Cam will get there. I mean, he's longer, but he's just not. Just doesn't know yeah, anything for sure. yet. First, so, sure. so uh, I don't know. I think the secondary will be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it, but yeah. The linebackers, like I mentioned, I don't think EJ played a very good game at all. He had those two penalties that yeah. really frustrated me. Because yeah, they gave like conduct was, yeah, and then he also had a, I don't remember. He had another personal foul. I think it was late. I don't remember. He had two big penalties, that both gave up first downs, and that really is unacceptable from a senior captain, EJ Agia that I've seen play. I mean Brandon Gardner, I think he played well as, as well. But I mean, they just struggled. They struggled to stop the run for stretches. I mean, uh, Israel Tucker averaged 6.3 yards per carry on 15 carries. Yeah, that's tough. I just don't. I just don't know what this defense did well besides come up clutch and not give up touchdowns. They gave up field goals time after time after time after time, five field goals, and I think they were kind of lucky not to give up a touchdown in those stretches, despite despite them coming up big and holding them to field goals. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah. To hold them, to hold the team to field goals in the red zone is huge, but I feel like Louisiana Louisiana Tech didn't struggle to move the ball until they got in the red zone. I agree. So, and I mean, there was a few times whenever uh, Jamar just couldn't hit a receiver over the top who was wide open uh, on yeah, ball coverage. A so, I mean, this could have been La Tech could have scored more points for sure. Um, it was kind of telling whenever La Tech's first play was that run play up the middle and they got they, to they, the they what was it? It was like the fifteen. Yeah. And that was the that was the unsportsmanlike conduct by EJ. Oh yeah, as well. So it was kind of like okay, they're here to play, and then they went up twenty-one to six. But they were still kind of hanging around. It yeah. never. It was like one of those games where it was still twenty-one to six, but you kind of felt like there's no way this game's over yeah. type of thing. See, the thing is though, I thought North Texas was going to be able to score at a high I level. Agree. I thought they were going to put a forty-two. I think points. everyone did, but so yeah, it changed. Um, all right. Anyone else for the game analysis? I feel like we. Um, Cole Headland, we kind of touched on him already. Yeah, he's a. Uh, we don't really have a section on him, so I guess we can talk about it. Yeah, he, I mean, he went over two. The second one was blocked pretty easily. Uh, I mean, Mick Robertson came off the edge, basically on he was unblocked, and blocked it with ease. Almost blocked it with his helmet. Yeah. I mean, 
Cole Hedlin didn't even have a chance to get that kickoff. I'm not sure a hundred. I'm not sure how to divide the the uh, the blame. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's not my job. That's I don't see. I think it's just the that. stigma behind Cole Hedlin coming into the season it was like he missed a lot in Arkansas, and yeah. when he missed that. 38, 41. 41. Sorry, I keep saying 38. But that 41 yard field goal, it was kind of like, please don't let this be the Arkansas Cole. Yeah. Because we've seen him hit that 51 yarder and he's hit, he hit a, a clutch field goal yeah. um, early against Arkansas. And I don't know whether it was, because I mean, obviously, if you don't hold the ball correctly, if the holder doesn't hold the ball yeah. correctly and you hit it, it, it can get hit wrong and it can, you know, go one way or the other. But I just hope we don't see this because it was, it was just really, I mean, his confidence has got to be low. After missing that yeah. uh, forty-one yeah, the and then getting blocked for the game winner, yeah. I mean, the only reason I didn't, I wanted, I liked the decision to, to make him kick it. I think we have something on this later. Uh, that decision, that whole decision, but I mean, he's a graduate senior. I feel like his, I feel like he's been in a lot of situations before, okay. a lot of pressure situations. I don't think it was too big of a risk to send him out there to kick it, but that's my opinion. I, I don't think, think it was a risk. I just. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have kicked. It. I'm just saying it's it's for him personally. It's just his confidence has got to be low. Maybe, but I I don't know. He's an experienced guy, so I don't think it was that low. But all right, let's get into let's move on to the next segment. Who lost this team the game? This is, man, we went back and forth for this last night too. Yeah, we did. We talked about this last night, but we needed to talk about this on the podcast. Do you think? Well, okay. Let me let me ask you. Who do you think? Why do you think North Texas lost? See, last it's night? it's super hard because I opened up. I, we talked about this last night. Like I said, I said special teams lost the game, and then I was like, well, defense lost the game, and then offense offense six points, could yeah. argue could because Luke uh, lost the game. So it's kind of like a just kind of pick your poison type of thing. I think the biggest. Like, if I had to pick one aspect, like one phase of the game that lost the game more so than the other parts, I think it would probably be defense. Only because they allowed La Tech to kind of stay on the field. Yes, they had those clutch red zone um, stops to just get the field goals. Mm-hmm. But you kept La Tech. I mean, they had eight, uh, eight minute possession, six minute possession. I mean, they had really long possessions. You had those penalties, and it kind of just wore down on them. Mm-hmm. And staying on the sidelines so long and not being able to get in a rhythm. I mean, that's just, gonna, just not going to make your let your offense score. Yeah. Um, not saying the I'm not giving the offense or special teams just a free pass or anything, but I think if I had to pick one phase, then it would be the defense because if you stop them, if you don't give up that, if EJ doesn't give up that penalty, or those two penalties, I guess, yeah, to give them points. two first downs, they would have been stopped at the fifty around the fifty, yeah, and, and they then they running. wouldn't have scored any points. Yep. So. Um, and then the offense would have come back out, and then you could have gotten a field goal or a touchdown, and then had mm-hmm. more rhythm. So I think I think if I had to pick a phase of the game, it would be the defense. Like you said, there's no right or wrong answer. I feel like I feel like there's a. If somebody came up to me and said the special team lost us this game, Cole Headland was was bad. The protection was bad. The fumble punt, the muffed punt on the end zone, yeah. swung momentum. I mean, the only positive thing that the special teams did was punt well with Alvin Kenworthy and return kicks well. That's really it. Yeah. If somebody said that to me, I would be like, I I mean, I'd buy it. I'd be like, okay, that's that's your opinion. That's that's it. You have to, if you base it off of facts like that, I can't really argue with that yeah. because that's your opinion. If somebody says what well, you say, that the defense lost them the game, I can't really argue it for all the points that you just said. Yeah. 
I think I'm just going to say that I think that the offense is the reason that they lost the game, which is hard to say because I feel like 21-6 to put them in a, the best position to win the game as possible. But to only score six points when you are supposed to be this dynamic offense, when you're supposed to be one of the best offenses, yeah. let's say, in the country, let's say you're supposed to be a top 20 offense in the country, and score six points in the last three quarters against anybody, I mean, unless it's Alabama or Clemson or something like that, a team that's in the Conference USA, you should score more than six points in three quarters against. That's my whole thing. I just think that Mason Fine was under way too much pressure. I don't think they... I don't really think that they adjusted well enough to the pressure that they were being handed to. I mean, they tried throwing some screen passes out there and a couple of screen passes worked early on, but in the second half, their screen passes didn't work. Right. And I feel like they were kind of a step slow on adjusting. I feel like Jalen Guyton had a, had a drop, had well, we know he had one drop, and then I feel like he kind of just shrank when Amik Robertson came against him, and it was really tough for him to get going frequently. I do think Rico Bussley, Rico Bussley played well, and he was aggressive for a lot of the night. I think Lauren Easley played well, was aggressive for a lot of the night. So I just, but I just think up front when you're constantly, constantly not letting your quarterback get time and pressure, uh, time to set his feet, throw, and then the receivers not getting open at all seemingly. I mean, yeah. every time I look down the field, they just was never open. That's gonna cause you to score six points in three quarters, and all you had to do was get closer than the twenty-five yard line to set up your kicker for a good. Field. Yeah, because if you get to the ten yard line, Cole Headland is not going to get the kick blocked. Presumably, I mean that rarely ever happens on a twenty seven yard field goal getting your kick blocked. Yeah, because it's just a short run up, and he's not going to miss it. So I'm not even asking for touchdowns. I'm asking you get to the ten fifteen yard line. Yeah, which no, I, I agree. they were never able to do in the second half besides that one touchdown, and then also like I mentioned the second the two point conversion I think was. I respect the effort. She but, lost two points in the play. Yeah. I mean, they you keep trying trick plays. How long are you going to keep trying trick plays? I mean, one out of every five is going to work. It's from the two-yard line. You yeah. should be scoring half the time. Theoretically, I think, I don't remember what the conversion percentage is. There was a longer one. It's, it's like high 40s. It's like 45%, I want to say, is the two-point conversion. Is the average two-point conversion yeah. rate. They're 0 for 3 right now. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. have to be able, you have to be better at that. So, I mean, for those reasons, I would take the offense. But like I said, you can't really argue against anybody. So, that's, no one that's no honest. one played bad enough to where it was like Yeah, nobody was like, yeah, like the defense didn't give up four touchdowns. Yeah. They like each each facet had a good thing about them. Yeah. Defense had the red zone defense. Yeah. The ki- the special teams had the kick returns that were dynamic. They had the um even I think there was a uh, I don't remember if there was a good punt return or not, but I mean, then the offense, I think, also had that great start to the game. And I think Mason Fine did well to put the special teams in a decent position to win the game, not a good position. So, yeah. like I said, every team, every facet of the game was decent, not bad enough to, to take all the blame. But Yeah. So, but um, shoot at us on Twitter or leave in the chat who you think was cost the team the game and why. Because... Like it would be interesting to know I how know. everyone feels. I, yeah. I, I really want to know what people think. And I want to know why they think that. Because yeah. there's a lot of ways to take that. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Next up, mistakes kill. We talked about this a little bit already. But 
this was this was the headline of Seth Luttrell's press conference after the game. Yeah, is that you can't have mistakes that they made, whether it was penalties or turnovers or missed assignments. You can't make those mistakes against a good team like Louisiana Tech. You can get away with them against Liberty, SMU, Incarnate Word, maybe even Arkansas. Louisiana Tech's the best team they've played this year. Might be the best team they play all year. You can't make those mistakes, Agreed. and there it was uncharacteristic uncharacteristic mistakes as well. Muffed punt, we, we haven't really seen besides Keegan Brewers earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, fumble. Fumble. First fumble all, all year. Yes, no. it was. It was. It oh, was that, first, was re- that was recovered. It was the first. Yes, I'm sorry. It was the yeah. first lost fumble of the year. Yeah. Mason Fine didn't have any interceptions, but like we said, the offensive line missed some assignments. Um, Often. They struggled with the chipping the on Ferguson. So, I mean, there were just a lot of mistakes in there. That didn't didn't that kind of put them behind the eight ball and just yeah led to their first. It was loss. an uphill battle. It was like it was an uphill battle the whole game after 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 that first second quarter. After yeah. that first four drives, it was an uphill battle. Yeah, and it it was just be, it, they were just shooting themselves in the foot um, off of small things. It wasn't it, there wasn't one big thing that you could be like okay that lost them the game because they clawed back and they still held their character. They still fought. They I mean and it every time they had a mistake. It don't. It seemed like the momentum was starting to go in North Texas direction, and then there was another small mistake that mm-hmm. kind of lost it. Um, if I had, to, if you had to pick the worst one, it'd obviously be that fumble yes. on basically the goal line. Yeah. And they scored, but other than that, I mean, you do good things, you come back. Okay, so they had that drive in the third quarter where it's a three and ten, and then you have a pass interference call, and then you get them to a three and whatever again, and then you have another penalty, and it's just fighting back, and then you just lose it. Yeah. And. Mistakes add up, and if you uh, for a La Tech team that didn't have, I think only one penalty. Yeah, they had one penalty, one penalty for ten yards. Yeah, and that was uh, oh yeah, it was the, hands to the face. Yeah, hands to the face, and I mean, you North- could say the game was already over in terms of the the way the game was kind of going in yeah. terms of momentum. Yeah, so. I think it was. It's a good. I mean, everything you just said is a good point because a lot of people will look to that punt fumble or that muffed punt on the goal line that cost them seven points going in half, put them down going in half. A lot of people will look at that play and say, that lost them the game. You, I, I definitely do not think that because once they come out of halftime, they stopped Louisiana Tech on their first drive. Mm-hmm. They regained momentum. The crowd was into the game, like loud into yeah. the game. And the offense was able, still able to move the ball um, for stretches in the third and fourth quarters. So I think that, like I said, I don't think that that lost them the game at all. Because if that would have lost them the game, we would have seen a huge shift in momentum carry. That would have been a blowout the, the other way. Yeah, or even Louisiana Tech's Louisiana Tech would have scored more than three points in the second half. Right. I just don't think the momentum swung enough to call that play a, the game changing play. Right. No, so, I agree. Well, I do think it was the biggest play, like you said. It wasn't a game changing play. And it, it was. It was. It wasn't even a full touchdown lead. And yeah, for, yeah, you expect the offense to score more than six yeah. points in the second quarter sure. or, or second half, sorry. Yeah. And uh, it it just you didn't have momentum swing your way to to get any rhythm, and that, that cost them the game. La Tech, La Tech's a sound team, and you can't make mistakes. There's not a a uh, a talented player that's like a Mason Fine on that team. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah, there's you, no it, explosive players. Yeah, there's no besides, there's no on the offensive side especially. There's none. Yeah, Mike Robertson and Ferguson. Yeah, are both on the great defense players. obviously you have some you have some star star players for in conference USA. But in terms of like an explosive player in offense, they just do everything correctly and sound. Yeah. And you can't you can't yeah. you have to fire in all cylinders to make sure that you don't uh, mess up against that team. Sure. 
Let's go on to the significance of this loss now. I don't think I think a lot of people don't want to talk about this because it's kind of scary when you think about it. But the significance is that North Texas probably has ten percent or less chance of playing for the conference championship game yeah. now. When you look at the schedules, they're going to have to have because it's the best overall schedule. It's the best overall conference record from both divisions meet for the conference championship game. North Texas is now zero and one. Louisiana Tech's one and zero. Presumably, Louisiana Tech will not lose to a team in the West Division. They they do play FAU and Western Kentucky, I believe you said, from the East. And uh, you in Southern Miss. I don't know if No, they're... that's in the West. Um, okay. Think about player teams that we don't always play, if that makes sense. Like okay, Western Kentucky, yeah, yeah, FAU, yeah. Middle Tennessee. Um, they played UTSA. Like that. <laughs> UTSA is in ours as well. Yeah. So, I just... It's it's going to be an uphill battle for North Texas. They're going to have to win out, and they're going to have to hope that Louisiana Tech loses to FAU and Southern Miss, lose two games basically. But those yeah. are the most likely candidates. And they're going to, and while North Texas has to beat Louisiana or um, FAU and uh, Southern Miss, Southern Miss, yeah. So a lot's going to have to go right. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. They're going to have to go seven and one in Conference USA, and yeah. Louisiana Tech will have to go six and two, presumably. Mm-hmm. Presumably, yeah. Louisiana Tech, Tech might, could, you, could lose yeah. the next two games. Um, and, they can do anything. Yeah, they could exactly. lose five games in a row. Right. But, you know, we're going to talk like Louisiana Tech is as good as they looked last night mm-hmm. and as good For as sure. they have been all season. We have, North Texas has under a 10% chance to, to make it to the conference championship. I agree. And, and I, I mean, think that's a realization that a lot of people need to come to. And I don't think it's something that a lot of people have thought about at this point. No. In the season. And it's weird, too, because North Texas could easily go 11 and 1 and not make a conference championship yeah. game. And. La Tech could play a team that's, you know, had four losses in the in the East Division, I guess, or West Division. Yeah, or in the East, in the East. You're right. East, okay, the East Division, and um, that's kind of like you said, a realization that they had to kind of come come to terms with. Yeah, come to terms with, and uh, I don't know, I don't the significance in terms of because I know we talked about the significance of the uh, of the SMU win or in the Arkansas uh-huh. win in terms of program. Or like image of the He's program. Putting air quotes around that. Yeah, because people, people, you're gonna have people say that. Oh, okay, this is the fourth year. They're having all. They have these high expectations. They need to be winning a conference championship. You mm-hmm. don't. It's. I think people are gonna think that this is a step back if they don't make the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't like to look at it that way because I feel like record and opponents that you take down that season is more important. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you have the Arkansas win. You don't make the conference championship game against an FAU or a yeah, like let's say North Texas beats FAU. Yeah, then, I mean, and you I don't mean, make conference well, because some conferences don't even have conference championships. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's just the overall record in the conference, and and uh, to say the the season is a failure is a failure if you don't make a conference championship game. I think is 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 not a correct statement because I mean this yeah, team is better. This team is a better team than last season, mm-hmm. and it's evident by how they've played so far. You have a two point loss to a good team. Yeah. I so, mean, and with yeah. chances to win the game, where like one mistake, right, yeah. one missed block, and on both or, sides, yeah, La Tech, La Tech could have lost the game just as easily as North Texas won the game. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's almost like if you beat La Tech by these two points, I mean, North, if you if you hit that field goal, if that field goal is not blocked, North Texas has more votes in the top twenty-five poll. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally a shift that's so drastic for, I mean, for what two points? Yeah. So for, for any play, I mean, you can name any play in yeah. there. Um, and it would shift how, A, we're talking about this, how everyone's reacting to this, and how the mood is around North Texas. Yeah. 
the significance I mean I don't know if there's any big significance okay I, I do think one significant thing to point out A this loss obviously sucks because they won't make the conference championship game in all probably won't make the conference championship game right but I this loss I feel like is going to help help them take a look in the mirror a little bit. I feel like it's been mm-hmm. too easy for them. I mean, that's something that's... It's kind of a cliche in sports is that it's been kind of too easy for and teams. It has. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's been it exactly has. true. And this is the first time they got punched in the mouth. And so we're going to see how they react against UTEP. They, I feel like Seth Luttrell is going to hold no mercy for UTEP next week. We'll yeah, get into that in our preview. I mean, I could... Seth Luttrell is going to go for go for two, like, five times. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Just we need to make this not 0-3. Figure this out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to... I feel like he's going to be super aggressive. So... I think, and I think the whole team is going to be aggressive from this point on. I think that they might be able to regain some of that hunger that they had coming into the season and even last season when they were an unproven team. And now they're not getting votes. Now at every press conference I go to, or I went to for the first after, especially after the Arkansas game, there were t- three times as much media as I had ever seen at a North Texas press mm-hmm. conference on a Tuesday. You never see that many. There were Dallas games. Right. There were, I mean. Yeah, writers from everywhere trying to get stories about the culture change and said, right. how yeah. have you been able to do yeah. this? Even though it's been happening the whole entire yeah. time. I mean, now they're not going to be there. No, they're not. And, and it's not their fault and you, because and you, it's, it's not, the story's not as important anymore. Right. And you but, might lose 7,000 fans. Yeah. <laughs> next, next home game against Southern Miss, instead of 30,000, you might get 22,000. Yeah. And, and it, might not, fr- it's, it might not even look like 22,000. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to be frustrating. And it's going to be annoying, but if you, I guarantee you, if you are 9-1 and one going against FAU Week 11, and, and FAU is presumably still a good team with Lane Kiffin at head coach and Devin Singletary at running back, it'll fill back up. But you yeah. have to win your next five games to get right. to that point. You have to earn their exactly. trust back. Yeah. And so I think the significance is that they might need – they are probably definitely looking themselves in the mirror at this point in the season. I don't think they're going to reevaluate anything. I just think that they're going to kind of get that edge they had back. Yeah, because they're not going to be the whole reset. Anymore. The reset yeah. is going to be legit this and time. And this team, like we said, I mean, you go from one and eleven to almost a five and zero record. Yeah. And, and four years later, and you you kind of feel like you're on top of the world, like you're unstoppable. And like you said, this team needs a reset. But after you. I feel like the general fan, like a like a casual fan yeah. of, of this team, is especially if it's, since North Texas isn't, isn't a athletic powerhouse yes, by any course. stretch of the imagination. Of people are gonna think like, oh, okay, our team's bad now. Yeah. And I think that there's if this team loses two more games this season to to an FAU or to a Southern Miss, this team's still better than last season's team. It is. And they're still gonna get a better goal, bowl game than last year's bowl game, and. I, I don't see how you could see that as a step back from last season. I agree. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I, it would take a, like like you said, it would take a drastic change mm-hmm. for us to um, consider this team. No one's worse. expectation for this season was to get ranked top 25, be 14-0, and win a conference championship. Yeah. I and anyone going, who says that that, it, that that there was their expectations lying, so. Yeah. I had them going 9-3. Um, I, I think we both so, had them going 9-3. I don't remember if you did or not. But... Yeah, so I mean that's just the that's the significance of the loss to me. Yeah, I I'm interested to see how they're gonna bounce back. Yeah. So, all right, what's next? 
conference outlook. So yeah. that's kind of kind of ties this, in the same yeah, thing. This leads into conference outlook a little bit. I think two two scores we need to point out are the FAU Middle Tennessee score, yeah, super important, and the Southern Auburn Miss. Southern Miss score because. Both those teams, like I said, are probably the two best teams left on North Texas' schedule. So, Southern Miss, mm-hmm. they played Auburn. Number 10 Auburn. Number 10. The Auburn. Was it in Auburn? Do you know? Um, I believe it was, but I'm not positive. I'm clicking on it right now. Was it in... Was it in... It w- was in Auburn. Okay. It was in so, Auburn. It was in Alabama. Southern Miss played in Auburn. You would expect Southern Miss to get absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Um, Southern Miss lost to... Louisiana Monroe, twenty-one to twenty. Mm-hmm. So every expectation going into this game would be like, okay, Southern Miss is about to lose forty something to whatever, Ten. and they kept it close. Um, this final score was twenty-four to thirteen. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was twenty. Oh, I'm not gonna remember exactly the score, but it was like it uh, was it was twenty-one to thirteen at one point. It was twenty-one to thirteen. So yeah. the one possession game in the fourth quarter. Southern Miss, I we knew going into the season was was going to be good. They weren't going to be as good as they were last year. Pres- yeah, they uh, lost Ito Smith. They lost Ito Smith. Mm-hmm. They lost um they lost some depth at the secondary, I believe. But they still have, uh, I believe, one of the best linebackers, one of the best linebacking cores in Conference USA. Mm-hmm. When I did my preview on them earlier this season. Yeah. And I know that they have talent. So, I mean, that's that's going to be another. That's a big game in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, Texas. it's it's. Again, people have to realize that. You're not gonna win every game. Losses mm-hmm. happen in sports, yeah. so teams are gonna be are, are gonna get some upsets on people. Um, and it's not like Auburn like throughout their their second string or anything out there. I mean, Jake's didn't no. play the full game. Yeah. Um, so it it gave it kind of gave a I wouldn't say Auburn a run for their money, but there was tension. Yeah, there was tension there was. to Auburn. There and was. <laughs> after seeing uh, Old Dominion beat Virginia uh, Virginia yeah. Tech, yeah, I don't know what week, to think about and, conference USA right now. Yeah, it's it's different. I mean, you're considered the worst conference in. Uh, in football. college football, but you're giving uh, good teams close games, so um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but to put some perspective on that, on Southern Miss's loss slash moral win, moral <laughs> yeah. um, their quarterback threw for 30-44, 215 yards Sheesh. and one touchdown, two interceptions. Yeah, um, obviously, happens. they had no rushing yards because it's a SEC defense. Of course, a four for twenty-five. Um, but they only had, they held Jake Stidham to two hundred forty-five yards. Which I think is super, super important. Yeah. Because, like you said, the linebacking core, the the defense, um, Auburn. Although they're going to run more, they only had 90 rushing yards. Damn. And, yeah. And uh, Jake Stidham's a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a team. That's definitely a team to watch. Like I said, in two weeks, we'll know a lot more about this North Texas team. Agreed. And how they re- how they responded. And on the other side, we got FAU. Ooh. Lane Kiffin and FAU played Middle Tennessee State. And they lost twenty five to twenty four. Yeah. And this is coming off of a fifty six to thirty six loss to UCF. Um, this team, I think, this team is coming this season gave us a lot of. We uh, knew that they were going to take a small step back. We thought they were still going to be the best team in conference but USA. Were, but the feeling was that they were still going to be able to overpower teams. Right. I mean, you had Lane Kiffin, you have all Devin of their Zimiltary, talent. You have. They do have a freshman quarterback though. Yeah, and, and it's tough. Yeah, I mean, freshman quarterbacks obviously aren't going to turn out, and they could be a five star or three star, and they're yeah, you know, they could they could they throw freshmen, and they they so just to kind of recap, they lost sixty three fourteen to Oklahoma. I don't think anyone was really surprised by that, yeah. but it kind of raised some red flags, like okay, their defense, yeah, and then thirty three twenty seven to Air Force. It's like okay, well, how are you only going to win by a touchdown yeah. to Air Force, and then UCF fifty six points, and then 
Middle Tennessee State, you only score 24, but you give up 25, and it's you're kind of you. This team has questions now, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I don't I don't know if they're I don't want to I don't want to say that they're half the team that they were last year, because I mean they were blowing out people. I mean every team in Conference USA I feel like lost 30 or more to this team. Yeah, this team beat the hell out of people last year, and I knew Middle Tennessee going into the game was going to give them a challenge because FEU was only favored by I think it was like four, three or four points or something right. like that. But to lose to Middle Tennessee State is still surprising because FAU last year, I feel like, was not going to lose that team. And it's kind of maybe you go back to the North Texas thing where the hunger maybe is different right. this year than last year because last yeah. year it was so easy. And now I mean, North Texas through four games, it's been so easy. It's kind of a similar thing. Agreed. Maybe they entered Conference USA play a little too uh, confident in a way. But I think that FAU... I'm not ready to write them off. I won't be ready to write them off until they lose another I'm game in Conference USA. I'm not State writing them off, North but Texas. there's definitely some red flags, and I, I don't know if the the feeling too high after winning all those games last mm-hmm. season really holds up. Because I mean, none of their game they had two 20 plus point blowouts, and they only won their other games by a little bit. Yeah, but when you enter Conference USA, there has to be a, th- a feeling like, all right, this is our real season now. I got, we beat uh, yeah, the hell I see out of these saying. teams last year. Yeah. We're going to do it again. We're battle-tested this time. We played Oklahoma, UCF, Air Force. We're going to beat these guys now. Middle Tennessee came in and beat them. They, they went for two on their last touchdown. Yeah. Middle Tennessee scored a That's touchdown. Ballsy. Could have tied the game at 24. Went for two, 25-24. From what I understand, um, I didn't get to watch the game, but it was just sounds amazing. Yeah, and um, hold on, let me look at this you got something else on CUSA? Um, I'm going to see. So FAU actually didn't only scored three points in the second half. Damn. So um, talking about their freshman quarterback, 17 for 27 for 154 yards and an interception. Devin Singletary got a majority of everything, 118 yards on 34 carries, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But FAU was favored up until, I mean, really they scored that two-point conversion. Yeah. So well. All right, that is our Conference USA outlook. It's going to be a very, very, very interesting, very interesting freaking uh, season over these next few weeks when it all shakes out because it's going to be a different than it was last season. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. So next up is injury concerns. There, I wrote about it somewhere in one of the things I wrote last night. Yeah. That there was m- more injuries in this game than there were in the first four games combined. I mentioned them all to name to start the podcast. I mean, you had Keemon Hall, uh, Taylor Robinson uh, took a took a shot. Mason Fine was banged up. Lauren Easley was presumably hurt pretty badly. Of all of all four of them, he looks the worst. Keemon Hall looked pretty bad too. Which injury are you most concerned about? And obviously, I don't think Taylor Robinson factors in that because he got yeah. We'll just quickly. we'll just based but off of those, those three. Keemon Mason. And Lauren Easley. So if you had, to, if if you asked me this last night, I probably would have said Mason. Yeah. Because he have Quinn after that, and not saying Quinn's the worst of quarterback course. backup ever, but he's not gonna, he's not gonna. Hey, remember what he did against Iowa last year? He threw a touchdown. Do you remember <laughs> that? Let's go. But he's not. But he's but Quinning. He's, but he's not gonna. He's not gonna. That La Tech game is completely different if you start Quinn at quarterback. Oh, of course. Of course. So, um, I think I think and. On top of that, I think keeping Mason out there, being not able to move at all, is really telling um, about that. He's still that. better. Yeah. Yeah, he's still better. Yeah. So um, if you were to ask me that last night, I would have said Mason fine. But today, I think Mason will play next week. Okay. And I also think that Lauren, our run game is going to be without Lauren Easley for the rest of the season. 
I just feel that. All right, so you're making predictions now. I'm making I, predictions. I'm asking which one right. you're most and concerned I say about. That, so you're yeah. most concerned about Lauren right. Easley. Right, yeah, it's my build-up. Okay, sorry. sorry. So Lauren Easley. You buried the and, lead. I know. It's, I'm not a writer. Uh-huh. And I'm, I think that Lauren Easley is, is the m- biggest injury and most important injury um, on this team just because of what we've seen from him in the last two weeks. He, I mean, against this LaTeX defense, he had 118 yards and 22 carries, and he looked. It kind of, he kind of felt like you had a Jeff in there. Yeah, not, not saying he was Jeff, but I mean, he had the long Jeffrey carries. Wilson. He had, the, yeah, sorry, no problem. He had the long carries. He had the, um, I mean, he was breaking tackles. He was pushing through the line, and then when he, you had Nick Smith out there, sure, he had that 30-yard uh, gain, Burst. but before that, he had two yards for no gain, or two two carries for no gain, and the DeAndre Torrey for. One carry for 14 yards, and they're like we said, but they're not true runners. Lauren Easley's probably the closest to, I mean, is the closest to that. And I feel like the run game is going to take a step back. Yeah. And I feel like against a, a team like Southern Miss, like FAU, you're going to need to have that run game. And yeah. we need, North Texas needed to have that last night, and they did, but yeah. it just wasn't able to win them the game. I think that, well, I think Lauren Easley's injury could be the worst. I think that Kimon Hall is, is the most concerning because of what we saw last night. I think that the depth at the running back position is better than the depth at the cornerback position. And I feel like if you throw Cam Johnson or um, I'm not going to remember the other one, uh, yeah, Jordan Roberts, Jordan Roberts yeah. out there, I, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big step back. Kimon Hall is a legit corner in Conference USA, and the other two are unproven guys. So... That's the most concerning to me. I'm not gonna say it's the worst. I mean, I don't expect Kimon Hall to play next week. No, the shoulder I mean, just bad. he wasn't even able to uh, take, yeah, try yeah, to tackle yeah, that guy so, on that play. I mean, he came back in. So, I'm not expecting him to play next week. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back the week after that. Mason, I hope he's fine. I'm. I mean, I think he will be fine. I just think that I just think that after the first half, he won't play. I don't. Half. I don't think Seth would would have kept him out there last night if it was anything that would keep him out longer than next week. That's true. Because. Seth knows the importance of winning Durable, out, yeah. and he's not gonna he's not gonna hurt Mason's development or, I yeah. guess, progression for a game. Yeah, and the so. uh, obviously we hope all of those guys are are perfectly fine. We hope they play Absolutely, yeah. next week. We hope it's just precautionary stuff. Those are all great guys: Lauren Easley, Mason Fine, Kimon Hall. I talked to all of them uh, this year. They're all. Really, all really cool guys. Even if Mason Fine just says the same thing over and over. Coach speak. It's coach speak. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mason right. Fine's like a mini Latrell. He's 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 a robot that <laughs> South Latrell programmed to, to say be, the same things as to be a winner. To be a winner. <laughs> all right. Next up, it's time for something or nothing. Oh, I like this. We didn't do this last week. We did not do it last weekend. We're very sorry. We know all of you missed it. We all know all of you. We're, we're about to send those emails out saying, where is yeah. something or nothing? Where is it? I Don't demand it. Don't worry, it's back. <laughs> All right. First up, again, Colin has not heard these, and I have not made a decision on them, so let's see where this goes. Something or nothing, Mason Fine being not Mason Fine the last three games. And that is Ooh. Arkansas. He was, he was all right against Arkansas. Not great. Liberty, there were bad conditions, but in the first half, he was all right. Uh, last night, he was kind of injured, but he was all right. Okay. 
Okay. So what do you think? Something or nothing? I we, think should we be Mason concerned? Fine's performances over the last three games is nothing. All right. And I say that because the SMU game put such a big expectation on what we expect from Mason. It's 40 or 50 for like 500 yards. Right. And you you don't see that. That's that's an outlier. Yeah. And I mean that's I mean not an outlier. It's a good performance by Mason. And mm-hmm. Mason. If you look at last last season stats, Mason's stats are going to be better than this season. Mason Fine, I think at this point had more than one interception. Oh yes, he, definitely. He, I think he had around the same amount of touchdowns. I think it was eight touchdowns or something, something like that. Like that. But Mason is not playing bad. Mason is facing good defenses. Mason faced an SEC defense. Mason fi- faced a team that beat ODU fifty-two to ten. Mason or fifty-one, whatever 52 it was. Fifty-two to ten. You're okay, right. yeah. And Mason is facing a team that gave LSU problems. A, yeah, problems. So. He's doing what he can, and like we said, the receivers aren't doing what they were doing last year. Um, in Th- terms of Jalen, um, he doesn't have he doesn't he only has really one over the top threat now with with Rico, um, because Jalen's kind of I, I don't really think they've really yeah, thrown he's kinda, to Jalen. He's kind of an in between guy right now. He's, yeah, they need his hands. Yeah, uh, at this and point, Jalen had a drop pass that hit him directly in the palms. He did, and uh, add another one on the list. Yeah, man, and. Yeah, it's probably been five this year. Yeah, something like, something like that. Yeah, it's four yeah. or five this year. And twenty-two for thirty-five for two hundred ninety-six yards and three touchdowns. I'll take that every day. Yeah, he had he got sacked That's five true. times. He has no pocket time. He had to roll every time he had to stay in the pocket longer than three seconds. And the time when he uh, after he got that hamstring mm-hmm. thing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they ran the ball every time until the last until third down. And on one of those third downs, the pocket collapsed and he just got destroyed. Yeah. So I. Mason is doing whatever Mason can do. He is still, he is still the best quarterback conference USA. in Conference USA. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you take it that far. I wasn't no, gonna, say, gonna Texas. You say I was, Texas. I was, I was trying to think of uh, yeah. a different way to say. It. I wasn't gonna say Texas. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's arguable for Texas, but yeah, yeah I'm not you saying get, you get into you get the in, TCU fans and Texas yeah. fans, and, and at that point you get into team performance and yeah, anyway stuff like that. But um, I'm gonna agree with you that it's nothing. Also because I feel like. Against SMU and Incarnate Word, his two best games, they had no run game. So Agreed. I feel like that put a lot more pressure on him to... Stat padding, yeah, basically. Yeah, so he passed, I think he passed for 50 passes on both of those. Last night he passed for 35, threw the ball 35 times instead yeah. of 50. If he passes the ball 15 more times, he probably throws for 400 yards. Um, I'm Actually, I'm positive that he throws for 400 yards if he passes 15 more times. So, yeah. I mean, I'm going to agree with you that it's nothing. And a 63% completion percentage isn't terrible. It's 63? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how he does next week against UTEP. I expect him, if he's healthy, to have a big game, especially yeah. through a half. I agree. Whenever he plays, however and, much he plays. And for any doubters, Mason, I mean, if you just look at it, Mason's playing way better than he did last year. I agree. And just in, in terms of him throwing away passes, I mean, you have to think, most of those incompletions are thrown away passes. He has one interception through five games. Yeah. That's a huge number. Yeah, it's, it's super huge. And there was no, there's not been, other than the underthrown fade yesterday, there's not been. A uh, pass that really could have been intercept- intercepted. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, yeah. there was yeah. one more against SMU, but that's it. Yeah, the SMU one that hit him in the chest. I, I remember. I just yeah. It. So, Mason's Mason still. Yeah. All right. Something or nothing. I brought this up earlier, but I wanted to save it for something or nothing. Uh, people being mad at Seth Luttrell for kicking it on fourth and two on the last play of the game, pretty much. The okay. The, the I see, that yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Is it something or nothing <laughs> for, anybody, for people to be upset at that? It is people. I, I'm gonna say yes. People shouldn't be upset. So I guess nothing. People shouldn't be upset. That's something. Okay, I don't think people should be upset. So I'm saying something. What a weirdly worded question. I know. I'm trying to think. My of how fault. To... There. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what I'm saying. Okay. So are you saying it's something? Should people be upset 
that Seth Luttrell kicked it in that okay, situation. Okay, was Seth that's the only, something that's or nothing was his play call bad? Yeah. Nothing. His okay. play call wasn't bad. Okay, that is the play to go. go. We are not playing Madden. We are not going to get the ball back with 50 seconds left in the game to score. It's not happening. Not Seth made the right play. You could say the, there were some questionable calls leading up to that kick. I agree. But there's no way you go on it for on fourth and two when you haven't been able when you don't okay when you didn't get you the just third got and, stopped. when you didn't get the third and three. I agree. What if you couldn't get the third and three? What makes you think you can get the four and two? And there's what 50 seconds left. Like we said, you have one timeout. LaTeX hasn't been letting you just go up the field at all. They have that defensive end. Yeah, yeah. That's the smart play. You go for the points first always in real life games. Like I said, this isn't Madden. This isn't NCAA. You go, you go for the field goal, you go for the points, and they went for the points, and that was the right play. You Because you have to think about it this way. How mad would you have been if he went for it and didn't get it? Yeah, Everyone would be crying, oh, he should have kicked the field goal. I agree. So I, I agree with you again because I just think that you have to give yourself a chance to win the game because if you go for the first down, you're still not giving yourself the chance to win the game in that instant, and you're not. you only have one timeout left. So, I mean... Best case scenario, you get the first down. Obviously, that's not a touch. Obviously, not a touchdown. That's the best case scenario. But best case scenario, realistically, in that situation, is you get the first down with five yards. You get down to the 24, and then there's. Did you kick a field goal? Then there's 25 seconds left. You have one timeout, so you can't really run the ball. Maybe you run it once to the center in the middle of the field, and you kick it. So you get five extra yards, but you risk. A play that's probably a 50-50 play just to get five more yards in that yeah. situation. Maybe you take a shot on the to the sideline or something like that. But with the way Mason Fine can't move, with the way your receivers aren't getting separation, you're not passing the ball in that situation effectively. It's going to be a throwaway probably, and you're not you can't run the ball unless you're just trying to center it and call a timeout because you only have one timeout. The, for all those reasons, I think you have to try to kick the field goal yeah. and give yourself the best chance to score three points because that's all you need. Yeah. You don't need to touch down. The five-yard difference is not – a 35-yard kick and a 40-yard kick is no different for a kicker. I agree. I, he would have blocked that anyways, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it wasn't – It would have to be people like think, get people to think, 10. I feel like people think that block kicks are the kicker's fault. The kicker just kicks the ball and trusts the line to make sure that no one gets by. Yeah, he doesn't even look. Yeah, he doesn't look. He's focusing on kicking the ball through the uprights. That's why when a kicker kicks the ball and it gets blocked, he's kicking the guy in the face, basically. So, Cole Hedlund did what he had to do on that play. It just, yeah. the line didn't do what he did. We have no did. clue if that ball would have gone in or not. Yeah. But that's a different discussion. But that's neither, that's neither here or there. I mean, yeah. it, you can't, there's no point in making uh, what ifs yeah, about anything. For sure. All right. Is this something or not? Uh, we're going to skip that one. All right, no, no, some- no, I want you to say that one because you crossed it out. All right, anyways. <laughs> something or nothing, losing in front of 30,000 people. Ooh. Uh, we kinda t- I talked about this earlier. Yeah, I think it's something. Yeah, I mean, how bad is the attendance going to be in two weeks for when they play okay. Southern Miss? Being on the sidelines, for having 30,000 people there, it did not sound like there were 30,000 people there. Really? And It got kind of loud for one in the point, third quarter. At one point. It got when they were trying to it got loud. Back into it the was game, the North was and Texas. That was loud. That's all it was. The team, the crowd does not cheer when they're on offense. The crowd does not cheer unless it's a third down. The crowd does not cheer unless the game is close. They just sit there and talk amongst themselves. <laughs> hey, you could argue they're being too loud when they're on offense. <laughs> you see all the oh yeah, Mason Fine. Everyone yeah. trying to get them quiet. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. they I mean, got louder, but yeah, they do. It's it's and and I don't. 
I guess it's just because the the student section is not a sports fan base. Yeah, there's not. But they're not. to lose in front of a crowd that doesn't really have the enthusiasm, anyways. I feel like there have been better crowds at North Texas. Oh, before. I've heard the loudest I've ever heard it was against Middle Tennessee when the team. Uh, it was Seth Luttrell's first year, and Eric Keener ran for that forty-yard fake punt, and it was he called his own number. That was the loudest I've heard it, and the crowd was probably sixteen thousand. Yeah, it was. And uh, this season, it's probably been SMU. Definitely been SMU. Yeah, because Incarnate and, Word wasn't. Yeah, and it's. I don't think this, the the stadium just didn't sound like there was thirty thousand people there. I was disappointed, and everyone that I was talking to on the field was disappointed because the 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 crowd doesn't know what to cheer, and because of that, I think that the crowd will also take this loss as North Texas being bad again. And they, I think, like we talked about earlier, that they'll lose 7,000, 8,000 fans. Yeah, that's that will be a big difference, and that will be kind of kind of depressing. But yeah, I mean, but it, but it's just the way it is. It is. I mean, a, this team has to have this team has to live up to expectations and more than expectations. Yeah, they have to order. supersede expectations for people to come and join. Yeah, them. because everyone at UNT is a casual fan. It's true. It's true. Um, all right, let's answer. I one need that last one. Question. All right, what do you think of the Mean Joe Green statue? How about that? We gotta go. What? What's what, what time are we at? I just want to. Uh, we're at an hour and ten. We're right, fine. Let's you got, go. You got twenty minutes. What do you think of the statue, buddy? The statue was good. We talked to the sculptor guy. He was great. He was a great guy. Yeah, the statue cool. was cool. I think it's important because again, it kind of gets that tradition around a program. It makes uh, Apogee seem less. I feel like new. Does that makes sense. It just kind of adds some history. To Apogee kind of seems sterile. Okay. If that makes sense. And I think now it kind of has that history. You're yeah. kind of gaining some tradition. I like it. And. Uh, that's the way. That's the only way you make a casual fan uncasual. So yeah. All right. Next up, we have one question from a listener. Oh. Um, usually, I don't. I don't. I don't know where to post these nowadays. I mean, I could tweet it out, but you should tweet it out. I should tweet it out. My fault. Um, <laughs> He's upset now. Like, I honestly. Okay. All right. One question for the show from my friend uh, Travian. Travian Thomas. Through five games, who is a player not talked about that? you think is most essential to the success of this team? Ooh. I'll go first, since I didn't really give you okay. a heads up on it. I like it. One player who is, let's, let's call him underrated to this team's success. Kind of like a... Yeah. I'm trying to think of comparison in real life. Um, oh, I got one. I got, a, I got a good one. I have the best one, actually. I have the only answer possible okay. right now. Let's hear it. The correct answer is Kyrie Muhammad at safety. That's Ooh. the correct answer. He is playing really well. Um, whenever he's asked to cover man-to-man, whether it's a guy in the slot or anything like that, whether he's asked to come down in the run, whether he's asked to lead the defense, which he does every single play. Uh, everyone on the defense um, says that he's the smartest guy on the defense. He makes all the calls, makes a lot of the calls, I should say. Anytime he sees something he's seen on film, he immediately calls it out. I did a feature on him. That's why I... Familiar with all this because all the defense players raved about him. Brandon Gardner did, um, Taylor Robinson did. Uh, a lot of players just rave about how smart he's, he is and how impactful he is. I also talked to Keyshawn McClain. He also says the same thing. So I th- I'm going to say that Kyrie Muhammad is a very underrated player because he's not putting up the tackle numbers he used to, but his impact is way more than it was for than it was last year. So you saying that makes it to where I can't think of another player? Because I'm right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you are right. Now, I could also say, I don't I, think I don't think we haven't appreciated anybody else. Wait, we haven't appreciated anybody else that is like makes such an impact like Kyrie. What about? Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking right now. 
I mean, you could say DeAndre Torrey doesn't get enough love. No, we talk about DeAndre Torrey. You could say... We talk about DeAndre Torrey every time. We talk about all the running backs. We talk about all the receiving What receivers. about Roderick Young? I don't think Roderick Young's done anything that is more than expected of him. Ladarius Hamilton didn't really show up last night. Too big. I mean, they picked up the blitzes really well. Um, See, so, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, Kyrie Muhammad. True. Because if you... I mean, you talk about last year... Keyshawn didn't, I mean, was really bad against pass coverage. Yeah. Uh, not really bad, but he wasn't as good yeah. against pass coverage. And Kyrie's kind of stepped up into his place. And him and... Uh, he had a couple of PBUs last night that were very impressive. Yeah, and exactly. And he's kind of grown into his own and le- is leading this defense. And we never, I mean, we never talk about him. We talk about Nate Brooks. We talk about Keemon Hall. But we always kind of just group the safeties together. I got two more names. Okay. Kelvin Smith. Even though he didn't catch a pass, I don't it, know. it wasn't his best game. Last, I don't know. It, it wasn't his best game yesterday. He's kind of eh the last couple games. He's fumbled. He also, fumbled against about, Arkansas. He did. How about Cannon Mackey, fullback? <laughs> that punt return last night. A kickoff return. Oh, was it a kickoff return? Yes, it was a kickoff return. Kickoff they, return. They, they, they squibbed it to him. I mean, he's he's done a good job in the run in the run game. He's done a great job in the run game, I think, and he's been a big reason why the run game has been successful. So, I mean, that's an underrated player too that I would throw out there. I still think Kyrie Muhammad is the correct answer, and I agree with you. But we'll see. Let us know who you think. For sure. In the chat or on Twitter. All right. What, what's next? Hold on. UTEP. Oh, it's UTEP time. All right. Finally, let's get to the powerhouse UTEP team. To let everyone Texas know, plays. this is not a powerhouse UTEP team. Is, I completely <laughs> just lied about that. They <laughs> yeah. are not good at all. They're zero and five. Colin, read off some stats. All right. So let's go through their game so far. Uh, I'm just going to tell you all that there are losses. They are 0-5. They have lost every game other than last night's game. Oh, I guess that's not true. true. They, they lost, lost against an night. FCS school 30-10. I'm talking about differential. Oh, okay, sorry. They lost to an FCS school 30-10. Then the next game, 50-24, 24-0, 27-20, and then 30-21, which is probably what ESPN likes to call the pillow fight of the week. The pillow fight of the week. Against was. two interconference rivals fighting to have... To keep the the worst <laughs> the worst team in the country, UTEP currently is averaging 125 passing yards a game, good for 124th in the country, 170 yards uh, rushing a game. You know who's behind them in the passing? Probably Army, Air Force, Navy. Yeah, all Georgia of the triple Tech. option teams. All <laughs> the triple option teams, exactly. Um, they're 121st for points four at 18.8, and they give up 32.6 points per game. That is uh, not good. And to lead off their passing, rushing, and receiving leaders, passing passing yards, uh, Kai Loxley, their QB, two touchdowns with a 33 QBR, 527 yards. What a guy. Um, he's also their leader in rushing yards. I have the stats right here. Let me, let me confirm. I, I, just, I, I don't know if that's a glitch or not on the website, but if that's true. It, it's, it has to be a glitch. It says he has 368 oh. yards on here. It's true. It is true. He is the running, is the running back and 71, quarterback. 71 carries for 361, oh no, for 299 yards, 4.2 yards. That's not updated. And three touchdowns. Why is that not updated? It's 363 now. 363 rushing yards. Oh. Well, there you go. And four touchdowns. So they have a dual threat quarterback. It's probably like a Demarcus Smith style type of thing. Dem- I wasn't here for Demarcus Smith. It was don't, bad. Don't bring no, that it was to me. bad. Um, don't bring me that. Really badness. bad. Really, really bad. All it right. was like we were Army, but trying to be 
Texas Tech. So look out for this this quarterback. Yeah, forty eight percent completion percentage, five five yards per attempt. Per um, attempt. They, Per attempt. Per completion. Per attempt. Um, two touchdowns and three interceptions. Anyways, on top of that, um, they've only been in the red zone seven times, I believe you said. Six, four. Yeah, they've been in the red zone seven times, but they've scored on all seven of those. Five of them have been touchdowns, so they're pretty efficient in the red zone. It's a good thing, too, because they just they never get there. They've, they've scored five touchdowns. All season? No, they had some rushing touchdowns. They, they've scored one, two. No. They have, they've they have, scored. They have six. Nine. Oh yeah, nine. Nine touchdowns through five games, ladies and gentlemen. North Texas might lose to this team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here for bashing UTEP, you know, because they're they're nice people over in El Paso, uh, but North Texas will be favored by three touchdowns at least. Should and I add that their offensive coordinator was our offensive coordinator during Demarcus Smith time? No, no, you shouldn't. You should not add that. Because that's going to make people think they're bad. But they are bad. <laughs> they are bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, UTEP, what did I say earlier? I didn't even write them down. I just had them. What, you try, what, do you, what stat do you need? Oh, yeah. These aren't updated stats. Yeah, what stat do you need? Oh, no. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. I have them. But... Nothing. Because it says on their website. On their website, it has 13.75 points per game. Oh, no. They scored. But it's not updated. So, I, yeah. that's fine. Um... All right, let's get into score predictions. Let's not waste any more time. Yeah, there's no point. North Texas is going to win this game no matter what. Um, they could roll Quinn out there. You could roll Quinn out there. You could roll Kaysen out here, and they'd win the Kaysen. game. Kaysen would win the game for this team. I don't know about that. They probably would. Tell me otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Tell me otherwise. Okay, they probably would. Um, on, on that note, my score prediction, I, if Mason plays only the first half. Yeah, let's assume that. Let's assume Mason only plays the first half. 38 to 10. I think they score 20 something points Barring in the first down. half, and then Quinn oh, just kind of Quinn just kind of scores a couple points uh, or a couple touchdowns. Then actually, yeah, that's what we're gonna change it to. Okay, you said 38 to 10. Yes. I'm saying 48 to 13. Oh, you think Quinn's gonna get a few of them? I think Quinn gets some, and then Cade gets one. I think I think they bring in. I think they, they use it, I think they use that red shirt rule and bring in Kaysen. The thing is, the thing is, UTEP is probably the worst team in the country in the FBS level. Yeah. And, and UTSA is close. UTSA is probably bottom fifteen, bottom twenty right now. So there's gonna be a couple cupcake games. They need to take advantage of this one and put this one away early. <laughs> yeah. They need to let Mason get get that. Get that therapy. Let Mason get three touchdowns, 300 yards. Yeah, let him get his first, numbers. Yeah, first you let him get his numbers. Do not stop. The, do not take him out when he has ten completions for 150 yards Absolutely and one not. touchdown. No, because then you're killing his Heisman ballot. Exactly. Coach, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening, listening. <laughs> if you're listening right now. Don't don't do that. Wait till he gets 300 yards like you did against SMU. Remember that against SMU he got up to like 350. 400. Okay, no, no. I'm sorry, not SMU. It was it was Incarnate Word? Uh, yeah, it was Incarnate Word. Uh, yeah, but in Carnot Word, they were up by like 100, and, yeah. and he didn't take out Mason until <laughs> he got to like 400 yards. Yeah. Same thing, all right? But make sure he does it in the first half. Don't run the ball. All right, I just that's wanna, all I got to say. On top of that, I just want everyone to pray for UTEP. They play North Texas, then La Tech, then UAB. They're going 0-11. 12. I can't count. So Yes. Yeah. All right, we have our predictions out there. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. On Twitter, Colin 
Twitter is at, at CJH Mitchell. There you go. Take it out of my mouth. It's it's up. It's actually up there. Uh, it's on. It's on there. the stream. Wait, it's on the there, stream. There. If you're watching the stream, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Uh, we have no one in chat. I'm assuming. Uh, we have one person. Did he ask a question? Or did he just say? No, he's just chilling. Oh, Let nice. him chill. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, my Twitter is at Matt Bruni25. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a fun episode to do, even though it was a sad occasion. But I firmly believe North Texas will bounce back. I really do. I agree. So I'm excited for the rest of the season. I, I, I think this game might have made me more excited yeah, for the rest of the season. Yeah, losses happen in sports. Yeah, Don't worry do. about it. They do. So we'll see. All right. For Colin Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. Thank you for watching the stream. Thank you for listening on SoundCloud at Bruni's Breakdown. And just have a great week.